What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Thrive Global is helping the world's leading enterprises and their people build healthy habits through actionable micro steps to help navigate this challenging time with less stress and greater resilience. Started by Arianna Huffington, Thrive Global helps companies such as Walmart, Microsoft, SAP, Bank of America, and many, many more. Find out more at thriveglobal.com. You're listening to Planet Purpose from Inc. Magazine. Today's episode, is there a leadership vacuum when it comes to brand purpose? Hey, everyone. Welcome to Planet Purpose. I'm Scott. I'm Yolanda. And I'm Chip. On Planet Purpose, we discuss how companies can focus on their purpose and transform their brands. We'll be taking a look at the ways purpose-driven companies could be achieving better outcomes by activating purpose to the people inside their organizations and out. We'll examine what companies are doing to achieve this while also offering insights and analysis that can help them improve their bottom line. We are Yolanda White, founder of Deo, a luxury women's loungewear line, Chip Walker, the head of strategy and research at Strawberry Frog, and myself, Scott Goodson, the founder of Strawberry Frog. So I've been reading a lot about folks heading back into their offices. Are you guys feeling ready for that? I was ready weeks ago. We've been cooped up way too long. You could say that again, Chip. Listen, Honestly, we haven't been as cooped up in Atlanta as you have been in New York, but I am seeing a lot of different, like, interesting approaches as companies are getting out of COVID and returning back to the workplace and demanding their people come. And it's been really interesting. Like, everyone's doing something a little bit different. I just saw that the dating app Bumble, they actually gave their employees a week of vacation time. All 700 employees, just because they wanted to help with the COVID burnout that's happening. I think we're seeing a lot of different things happen right now. So yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just the whole reevaluation of like mobile policies and what that looks like. I think it's something that like all companies are dealing with right now. Well, I'm in my bedroom doing this (laughs) podcast on Shelter Island, sheltering in place. And I've been doing this for like 18 months and I'm not heading back to the office anytime soon. I have to work out of my bedroom because it's really noisy in my house. You know, dogs barking, birds, boats cruising by. I don't want to throw you guys off, so I'm huddling here in my bedroom. So you're sheltering in place on Shelter Island. I'm sheltering in a sheltered place on Shelter Island. Where are you, Chip? I'm in my apartment in Chelsea, as always, where I've been here for the past 18 months without moving, it feels like. But, but I agree. I think more and more people I hear about are heading back into their office. I mean, I, I read this week about several companies, Bloomberg, J.P. Morgan. I think Goldman Sachs all announced their employees are going to be back in the office, I think, mm. as of September 1. So I think this is going to create a real challenge for leaders because the more pressure that they put on employees to come back, I think there's just a a greater risk that employees are going to get recruited away to other companies who aren't asking them necessarily to return to the office, you know, which so many of us aren't that eager to do. Mm. So purpose activated can help retain and recruit talent in a time when talent is scarce and when some leaders are pushing people back into the office.
Office and, you know, other companies in the same space offering competitive salary and competitive benefits might be able to, you know, recruit talent away from those that are pushing people back to the office. Yeah. I mean, I think this whole notion of purpose coupled with policy is like critical for these companies to retain organizational talent. I'll say like the whole notion of nine to five, you know, we've heard it from millennials. We hear from the people who have to return to work. It's just something that people are dreading right now. Like that's the last thing they want to do is sit in the office from morning to evening. But listen, I do go in the office, so I'm not fully like shelter in place. I don't go as often to To be honest, I have developed a cadence to work from home and I love it, but I'm most certainly like entertaining clients face to face, which has been really, really nice for me. So it's not completely like back to business as usual, but it's definitely getting back to business for sure. And I mean, you know, New Yorkers like it's time to get back out, like get out of the bubble. (laughs) Let's make some stuff happen here. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't got an invitation from you yet, though. You know, get back down to Atlanta. Okay, that's true. I'm planning it. Yeah, it's almost time for that. Yeah, we need to make some rounds to a Mm. few companies, too. So that'll be great. So, you know, I think thinking about like, uh, you know, if you're a CFO, you're sitting there and you're saying, hey, and I'm saving lots of dollars because we're reducing our real estate footprint. Maybe they should start thinking, you know, this is an opportunity for CFOs to, to sort of think about purpose in that they can take these dollars that they're saving on the real estate and put that back into activating purpose in a way that galvanizes their people and, and mm. builds a really meaningful culture at a time when, you know, the four walls and the ceiling and the art, you know, <laughs> the culture that exists in those office buildings don't exist. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a really good point because, you know, an office itself is a huge component in, in even having a company culture. One way to think about it is that uh, in offices, in terms of company culture, it's sort of like a church or a synagogue or a mosque. And if you don't have that, then you need something else like the Ten Commandments. That's uh, kind of what purpose is, right? Wow. that That's really a powerful way to think about it. It's simple. It's powerful. And I'll tell you, like for the bosses, managers, whatever you leaders that require their staff to return to the office, they may regret it. And how they do it is so important. But I mean, it could lead to actually what they don't want to happen is a decrease in productivity because people just no longer have the always on mentality, the performance mentality that they once had. So I don't know. I don't know what you guys are thinking about this, but I definitely believe like there's some caution to the companies who are demanding this come in the office thing. I mean, you know that sort of stuff, Yolanda. I mean, you were on the upper echelons of corporate America for yeah. many years and you were part of that, the culture there. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, how many working days are lost per person each day to, due to sickness <laughs> picked up on a daily commute, for example, when everyone is packed into train carriages like sardines? I mean, if you just think of it from that perspective. I mean, personally, I think, you know, employers just have to think about trusting their employees in new ways. These are the people who are holding their brands, holding their companies up and trust really sits at the heart of what needs to happen. And I think, you know, their employees will repay them, you know, for trusting them. I think that's just a new language. I will tell you, I pulled a couple of stats and there are companies who have higher retention rates that are like upward of 85, 95%. And it's like for companies like Zappos and for Buffer, and they're showing that purpose with strong values really activates the employee base inside the organization. So, 
you know, I think this whole notion of making sure that we have trust and deep and connection and commitment with employees is something that's really powerful. And it's just a new way of thinking about things. So we don't fall into this trap of like putting people in this box where everyone is formed to operate in the same way, not leaning into diversity in a rich way. That's a great point. Yeah. Well, you know, you've got to have a way to kind of transmit office culture, even in a virtual way. And if you can't transmit your office culture, you got a management problem, not just a workforce problem. And you got to adapt as a manager. And, And the truth is reality has just changed. You just can't go back to an old normal. And the more leaders, and we see this all the time, the more they ignore this and chase the old normal, the less ready they're going to be for this new reality of, of what company life is is like today. And this is the, exactly where, I, at least I think, chief people officers and chief human resources officers ought to use higher purpose. It's kind of a glue for company culture to solve some of these issues. That's so true. I will tell you, like, from my days in corporate America, it was all about managing that curve. It was all about managing the performance review process. It was about compensation. I'm like, yes, those things are just baseline. The game of the chief people officer just has to increase so much more to make sure that it's really connected to the values and the ways of working that people desire today. And COVID has shifted that so dramatically. We should do a whole show on chief people officers and purpose. I think it's a great, a great topic. Okay. Um, Okay. So we have some important things to talk about today. Let's talk. Chip, I know you had a topic you've been dying to talk about and it involves purpose and leadership, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Scott, you know, the number one topic we hear about all the time on the minds of so many of the top business leaders that we work with is about purpose, how to be a purposeful company, how to make the world a better place, not just make money. There's one big problem, though, that we hear about over and over again. Today's leaders simply were not trained for all this. Facts. That's the problem. I mean, that's so true. When I think about like how I rose through the ranks of corporate America, I never felt like purpose was a part of that conversation. And there is this notion of like purpose-driven leadership. And I think there's something real to it. And there are skill sets that are required to tap into in order for that to like come to life. Like it's not about the growth objectives that we need to deliver on, which of course, like so many of us had to deliver against. But, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about is if you have individual purpose and you can carry that through your company, that allows you to have greater purpose and how you lead, manage, and manifest that into the work that you do on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, being a little self-aware and not leaving half of yourself off the table when you come to work is a part of that game, you know? So when you're able to show up 100% and bring who you are and have meaning in how you live and how you want the brands to come to life, I just think they all work together. And I'll tell you, like, There are very few leaders and it's been quantified, but there are very few leaders who really come with that level of self-awareness so that they can lean into this whole notion of purpose-driven leadership. So I'll put that on the table. Yeah. Yeah, but but I don't, I I think that's all very true, Yolanda. You're a very self-aware leader, but that's not the way leaders, even younger leaders today are necessarily being trained. Uh, Especially for older leaders, there was no class on purpose in business school. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So in some ways, what they're dealing with is kind of the Wild West. It's like a new frontier out there. There's no map. 
Uh, and a lot of the, the CEOs in particular are struggling to kind of figure out what to do. I've been calling this whole phenomenon the purpose leadership vacuum. Uh, and basically, it's sort of like there's new rules, but there's no rule book. It, as I said, it's kind of like leaving a lot of leaders grappling to, to figure out a way forward. But I'm wondering, um, I'd love to hear from you guys. What are some examples, though, of leaders who are getting it, who have figured out purpose despite there being no rule book? I mean, who's setting a really good example out there? You know, there are a couple of professors at business schools that are starting to lean in that in a big way. Just two that come to mind. One is Ranjay Gulati at the Harvard Business School that talks a lot about purpose, especially internally um, and how purpose is important to impact the minds and, and habits of people inside the organization. And there's another professor, Charles Danaraj at the University of Colorado, that wrote a wonderful paper in the Harvard Business Review called Put Purpose at the Core of Your Strategy. Both of them, I think, are exemplify sort of a new business school mindset to train the mm -hmm. new, you know, the new generation. That's awesome. I mean, if I were to add something in terms of an example, it's just looking at a powerhouse today that's almost doing the back work of like defining what their purpose is because that's not how the company started. So the one that comes to mind for me is Unilever. And it's really because I think they are expanding the way that they're thinking about their business to build in purpose, and it's coming through with some of their brands, but they're allocating significant resources and they're committed to these resources to build new approaches that will engage and even like train employees differently. Mm. So kind of hats off for them to say, we recognize that there's an opportunity here. We need to better play in this area in a strong way and putting the resources against it. So we have to just continue to keep a pulse on how it manifests itself and how they're able to like raise up these purpose-driven leaders. But I really love seeing the work around Fortune 500 companies and, you know, as they begin to think about purpose differently. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the Unilever example just because, you know, it's sort of like Procter & Gamble in that it's less the household name than some of the underlying products it makes. Like yep. People know Axe and they know Dove, yeah. but they don't necessarily know Unilever. And, they're, and they're, their purpose that they, they stated, I think it was four or five years ago, the CEO came in and it's something like to make sustainability commonplace mm. or maybe mm. to make sustainable living right. commonplace. Yeah. And as you said, they have committed to all kinds of climate goals around their packaging, their products, et cetera. The reason I brought it up is that, you know, we did this purpose summit week before last where we announced the results of our purpose power index, which is consumers perception of what are the top purpose brands in, in, in the country. And I was really fascinated to see that Unilever got a ton of credit Yay. Uh, for being purpose driven. So people actually are, are taking notice. Can we look at the other side, though, a little bit? We talked about who's inspiring, who's getting it right. We talked about Mahindra, Truist, Unilever. What about some some leaders out there who may not be getting it quite so so right? For example, I just read a few days ago where the head of Morgan Stanley, the CEO, is kind of forcing his New York-based staff to show up in person. And he made the statement, something to the effect of that if you want a New York City-level salary, you can show up in person in New York City. Uh, and basically wow. <laughs> giving them an ultimatum. Wow. Uh, and does that does that track for you guys? Is that is that the right way to be thinking about things? You know, we worked years ago, we worked with Tim Armstrong when he was at Google 
And in those days, I think technology had almost like a, they were washed in this aura of democratization and positive change in the world. And, and they couldn't do anything wrong. I think they've rode that wave for a long time. And unfortunately now, I think they have a lot to answer for. I think a lot of tech companies' leadership really needs to rethink the way they lead and how purpose matters to, to their employees and also to the world outside. I mean, a couple of examples that I can think of are, you know, Basecamp, which I'm sure you've read about recently. The leaders made a statement that none of their employees can actually talk about social issues. And as a result, they ignited a fire inside the company and people were quitting that left, right and center. I mean, it was just the poster child of a disastrous leadership decision. And I think these leaders should see that and they should realize it's time for a leadership change. Great example. One, one thing I've been thinking a lot about, and I'd love to hear what you guys think, you know, we want to bring in a new generation of leaders that is prepared to lead with purpose. We all have people who work for us, have worked for us. We <laughs> mentor people. What can we be doing to better prepare leaders of tomorrow to lead with purpose? Mm. If you're leading someone to lead with purpose, you as a leader have to also be leading with purpose in order to make mm. that domino effect happen. And the one thing that came to mind is a lot of companies, as they're bringing in new leaders, before you even get to the employees, as they're bringing in new leaders, they're bringing in leaders that they have a proven track record. It's all about the results that they've delivered. They've asked nothing of these leaders about what their views are on life, what they stand for, what's important to them. So they never get a comprehensive view of some of these leaders, maybe the way they work, but not about their broader views. And so one of the things that came to mind as you just asked that question is like, we have to fundamentally develop better assessment tools that allow us to see like talent in its totality, because the leaders we bring in the organization will have a direct impact to the people who are running the organization and how we continue to train them on purpose. I remember working for someone at Coca-Cola, who was one of the most brilliant minds I've ever been in the room with. Strategy was something that he had the ability to develop and see very quickly and very clearly. But working with him and for him was like a shit show, to be honest. And so eventually he got pushed out the company, but it's two years after he basically tormented all the people that work for him. And so a little bit of the question is like, how do you measure and how do you like assess this talent, not just coming in, but once they get in there, how do you hold them accountable to operating with the purpose and values that are associated with the company? But then I just think you have to allow people to bring their total selves to work. But well, think- and that, that also gets back to the whole conversation we were having about HR yeah. and that, you know, HR has typically been giving you your benefits and um, yeah. I don't know, hiring and firing and that kind of stuff. And I, I don't know that modern HR is really thinking about how do we screen people the right way as you're yeah. talking about, yeah. how do we measure, et cetera. I was actually speaking to um, a woman yesterday, Callie Field, who's the head of chief customer service officer at T-Mobile, talking about a tech company. And I think what was interesting as she described it was they launched a movement, you know, years ago under the former CEO called the Uncarrier. And it basically made them, you know, the company was was not doing well. They basically looked at everything that the mobile phone carrier business was doing wrong. And they say, we're going to blow everything up. We're going to start from scratch. We're going to solve everything that customers hate and make it, you know, better. What was interesting about that was this idea of a movement that they created at that point created the framework within which they could operate and mechanize 
the activation of purpose inside the organization, I think that's the key thing, which is mm. you can have all these wonderful individuals, these like your example, Yolanda, of this brilliant person at Coca-Cola, but if efficiency and effectiveness and profit are your guardrails, then yes, people are going to do whatever they think is right to make profit. But if you're saying in addition to that, you also have to deliver on purpose. You need to think about your employees. You need to think about the community in which they live. You need to mm. think about driving positive change. Then they will do so. So leaders need to not only launch a purpose to great fanfare, they need to think about a movement that can create the guardrails, the framework that allows tens hundreds, thousands, or even millions of people to work on a day-to-day -day basis and make decisions and judgments based on a framework. And to me, that's really what we're talking about. Love it. I agree totally. Yeah. Great point. So now we're going to pause for a quick break, and then we'll get back to jump ball and lots of great inspiration. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful, growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. The greatest challenge facing leaders is activating purpose-based brands to the people who matter inside the company and out. Activate Brand Purpose is a new book by Chip Walker and myself that shows leaders how to transform their brand's purpose into action by sparking a company-wide movement. Find out more at activatebrandpurpose.com. Time for Jump Ball. Chip, yes. what do you have? Okay, I've got something. It's going to sound really wonky and nerdy, which, you know, I probably am. So uh, you, you guys won't be surprised, but, but just hear me out. I think it's worth considering. So this is a book I read cover to cover. It's called Framers, Human Advantage in the Age of Technology and Turmoil. And what it talks about is this concept called framing, uh, which is, you know, er everything we do as human beings involves a mental model in our mind that sort of shapes the way we understand it. And what this book does is show that how the way we choose to frame something can get us to look at problems in entirely new ways. I'll give you an example. One of the first examples I give in the book, the Me Too movement is, is many things, but most powerfully, it was a way of reframing sexual assault against women. It transformed how we uh, perceive sexual assault, not mm -hmm. as something to be kept private the way it always was, but as something that should be made public. Mm. Uh, it reversed the stigma of sexual assault. Women need not be shame to sexual assault, but actually can bring shame on the men who assaulted them. Absolutely. It turned sexual assault, the way we frame it, on its head, and as we know, has done a lot of good. And I just thought it's, it's you know, it's within our power just by the way we choose to frame something mm. to come up with a, be a better way of uh, solving for it. So anyway, very cool book. I wow. I love Thank that. You. I love that. I mean, and the reality is the victim shouldn't be the person who feels the shame. So this book delivers a high level of empowerment, which I think is so great. I haven't had an opportunity to read it, but I'm putting it on my list. That sounds fabulous. Yeah. 
Okay, speaking of women, I'll keep going. I'm I'm not going to a book. I'm going to music. So there is a music artist. This young woman is only 23 years old. She started singing probably like at a very young age. I want to say 16 or something really young. She plays the guitars. She's a beautiful vocalist. But when she first came out, she never revealed her face. She would always wear sunglasses and cover her face. So no one ever saw it through her first album, but she She's had many accolades, Grammys, Oscars, the list goes on, but she just launched a new album. So I've had a chance to, re- you know, listen to the first single that dropped and some of the album, not all of it. It's a testament to how young people are just sharing their stories, how they have such a high degree of wisdom, their understanding about life. Honestly, like I listen to her words and I feel like I can relate to it and I might be like twice her age. So this is the power that young people have just to like stimulate my soul and keep me connected to what's happening in culture. So, you know, hey, shout out to her. Um, She's one of my favorite artists and yeah, I'm really excited about her new album that's out now. I am going to build on your jump ball idea on music. I've got two actually I want to bring on. Yeah. One is a voice that is just absolutely extraordinary. It's a Swedish musician. Her name is Freya the Dragon, and you can listen to her on Spotify. She has just an absolutely piercing soul uh, voice, you know, and and Sweden is known for having the soul, the soul music, which is just extraordinary. And there's a whole bunch of, of musicians that have over the last probably 50 years, all the way back to like Monica Zetterlund, just brought music, uh, soul music to a new level. The other musician I wanted to talk about is this really cool dude from England. He's actually a British uh, saxophone player named after an Egyptian pharaoh. And his name is Shabaka Hutchins. And Shabaka Hutchins takes jazz to a whole new level. He infuses it with hip hop and gangster rap and... (laughs) African ethnic music and it is just absolutely riveting and gets you up and moving and in between his songs he talks about about purpose basically I mean I wouldn't describe it as purpose but basically purposed issues and ideas that are super Mm. stimulating so if you really want to try something new and you like jazz or soul or you know music in general strongly recommend Shabaka Hutchins I just wrote them down both I think those sound cool yeah Okay, this has been great. We have two, three new great ideas to put on my list of things to watch and listen to and read. (laughs) (laughs) This has been really fun, guys. Uh, Really great to be with you. Woohoo! Woohoo! Well, thanks for tuning in to Planet Purpose. I'm Scott Goodson. I'm Yolanda White. And I'm Chip Walker. Planet Purpose is brought to you by Ink Magazine and Strawberry Frog. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave us a rating, a review. Also, we want to hear from you. Email us at podcasts at to let us know how your company is coming out of COVID. This show would not be possible without the extraordinary Avery Mills producer, Brian Cornelius, video producer, Joss Christensen, engineer, Blake Odom, production assistant, Mumama Mehud, marketing director, and Nicola Keneally, chief of staff.